Here we go. Week six, Big 12 football power rankings. Welcome in. I'm Pete Mundo on heartlandcollegesports.com. We cover the Big 12 conference. We appreciate you being here as these shows continue to grow every single week during football. You know, I just want to uh, express gratitude because I started this operation nine years ago. I had myself, I had a laptop, I had no idea what any of this would become. And now we're reaching hundreds of thousands of you. We're gathering millions of page views and impressions every month on our site. We're growing our staff because you have loved this content. You've consumed it right here on YouTube. Subscribe, hit that thumbs up as we get rolling. And of course, uh, as well on the podcast and you know what to do. We only need, I think it's six ratings to get to 700. Can you hit the five-star button for me? That would be awesome. I would so appreciate that. So thank you guys for joining us, for being a part of the show as uh, we count down the power rankings in the Big 12 Conference uh, this week. So let's get right to it here on Heartland College Sports. I do it every week from worst to first. And by the way, we do this based on what you've done, not who I think is going to win on a neutral site, not who I think is the better team, but simply based off of who you've beaten and what you've accomplished. That's how we do it here at Heartland College Sports. That seems like the fairest way to do it. So at number 14 on the Big 12 football power rankings this week, I've got the Houston Cougars. That's right. Houston comes in in last place in the power rankings. Houston has played two Big 12 games. They have lost those Big 12 games by a combined 44 points. That's ugly. That's not going to cut it, Dana Holgerson. I know you ran away from the Big 12 once. You couldn't run away a second time. And you have got to get this program back on track, get it going. Um, you know, you had a good first half against Texas Tech, but then uh, was held scoreless in the second half. That's not going to work. So Houston comes in number 14 in the power rankings this week. At number 13, Oklahoma State. Hey, the Pokes couldn't lose. They had a bye week last week, so... Oklahoma State was at 13. We keep them at 13 this week. So uh, the Cowboys have a tough Friday night matchup against the Kansas State Wildcats. That is not going to be uh, pretty for them, I don't believe, at this point in time. So even with the bye week, uh, things are not looking good in Stillwater. A lot of questions surrounding Mike Gundy in that future. And I've got Oklahoma State at number 13 in the power rankings this week. At number 12, plummeting down the power rankings the last couple of weeks, UCF. When you blow an unprecedented 28-point lead to what I believe is one of the worst teams of the Big 12, at home, sorry, you deserve to plummet. I mean, I really like UCF. Our guy Derek Duke was down there taking the game in. He had a blast in Orlando. If you haven't read about it, he he wrote a great piece about it at Heartland College Sports. But, man, that is a disaster of a finish. You know, UCF, as I noted on the uh, Sunday reaction show on the podcast and on YouTube, uh, UCF had a 99.9% chance of winning that game with 30 seconds left in the third quarter. According to ESPN's Advanced Analytics, 99.9% chance to win the game, and they lose it in regulation to make matters worse. So I'm sorry, UCF fans, but then again, I'm not sorry. I mean, I feel bad for you, but gosh, that's a disaster of a game, and UCF is 12 in the power rankings this week. Sorry, that's how it's got to be. Um, they've now lost to K-State. 
Good team on the road, and then they blew that incredible lead to Baylor, so they're 12. At 11, I've got Iowa State at 11. Iowa State, of course, got blown out by OU and Norman on uh, Saturday. Bottom of this league is not very pretty right now. Let's just call it like it is. And Iowa State got shut out in the second half. They played a decent first 30 minutes, but the second half was not a good scene for the Iowa State Cyclones. So they beat Oklahoma State in uh, the previous week, previous game opening up Big 12 play. Great. Ho-hum. Don't think the pokes are that good. And then they go to Norman as a 20-point underdog. They lose by 30, and uh, that was not a good scene. So Iowa State comes in at 11 in the power rankings this week. At number 10, Cincinnati. They stay in the 10 slot. A road loss at BYU. Now, Cincinnati's 0-2 in the Big 12. But here's the thing. Cincinnati, to me, what I've seen is better than Iowa State's 1-1. Cincinnati has got to be kicking itself because they had 200 total yards more than BYU on the road. They had better third down conversions. They tripled the Cougars in rushing yards and they lost the game. Why? Because they lost the turnover battle and they were the sloppier team on the night. Simple as that. That stuff matters in football. So Cincinnati stays at 10 this week. At number nine, moving up from the last place spot in the power rankings. Well, we've got the Baylor Bears. Baylor was eyeing number 15 in the Big 12 Power Rankings this week. Insert your joke here as you see fit. Of course, there are 14 teams in the league. That's how bad it was for Baylor. Dave Aranda was entering hot seat territory, and then the third quarter happened. And then really the fourth quarter happened. But late in the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, the final, whatever you want to call it, 19 minutes of that game happened. And now we're looking at Baylor crazily sitting here at 1-1 uh, and one in the Big 12, insanely enough. Didn't see that coming. So Baylor, you give them credit where it's due. Largest comeback in school history, 29 points unanswered. And Baylor comes in at number nine on the power rankings, up from 14. At number eight, Texas Tech moving up from number 11. They beat Houston, didn't look great at times doing it, but you take the win, you move on, second-half shutout is worth something against the Cougars, and there's still a lot of issues for Tech on both sides of the ball, but if you are Texas Tech, you needed that win, and uh, I got them at number eight in the power rankings this week. At number seven, TCU falling from five to seven. You know, this loss to West Virginia was the first home Big 12 loss under Sonny Dykes for the TCU Horn Frogs. So it just tells you what kind of, you know, year plus he's had there. But TCU um, lost this game in somewhat ugly fashion, getting shut out in that second half. Seems to be a common theme here. Who's making the better halftime adjustments? And um, TCU took care of business in the first half and then didn't in the second half. They had a seven-point lead at halftime. Second half was a totally different story. They had one net yard in the third quarter on 11 plays. I mean, West Virginia's got a good defense, but still, that's you got to do some soul-searching when you get one net yard in a quarter on 11 plays. So TCU comes in at 7. At number 6, BYU stays at 6. They were 6 last week. They open up Big 12 play with that home win against Cincinnati. In fact, BYU is the only one of the new four Big 12 teams to notch a conference win so far this season. And, of course, it's against a fellow new four school, whatever you want to call them, one of the new additions in Cincinnati. 
So we knew there was going to be an adjustment period for these four teams. Um, BYU may be the team that actually has the smallest adjustment period. You know, they've been playing Pac-12 games for a large part of their schedule for a period of time now. So the jump in competition is not as much as it is for the other schools. And I think you saw that with like UCF. I mean, UCF would have never fathomed an AAC school coming back from 35-7 down to beat them. They took their foot off the pedal. There were some coaching mistakes, and Baylor comes out with a win. Uh, BYU gets that win against Cincinnati. We'll see what they look like going forward. They lost to Kansas, of course, a couple of weeks ago, but BYU stays at number six. At number five, Kansas falls from number three after losing to Texas on Saturday. Now, for Kansas, here's the thing. They didn't have Jalen Daniels. And if you don't have the Big 12 preseason player of the year on offense, that's a blow. I thought Kansas held its own in the first half in the trenches. This was not a 40-14 to game if you actually watched it for most of it. Yes, Kansas got worn down as the game went on, but you're trotting out Jason Bean at quarterback. That's only going to get you so far. uh, No disrespect to Jason Bean. But the guy's a backup for a reason. And I saw some KU fans going on about, oh, Jason Bean, he's a great backup. I, is he? I don't know. I mean, I think I'd take Baron Morton, Texas Tech's backup, over Jason Bean. I mean, he missed some five-yard passes in the flat where I'm like, okay, this could end up being a long day. Of course it was. But I just because he's been around forever doesn't mean he's a great backup quarterback. I just I didn't see it. And Texas realized what Jason Bean's limitations were, and they made the adjustments, and they took advantage in a big way as that game went on. So you better hope Jalen Daniels gets back on track. But that back injury, man, that thing is lingering. And if you're a Kansas fan, you better have some, or you should be having some sleepless nights over how that back injury just seems to act up randomly which is what happened this past week. At number four in the power rankings, Kansas State comes in at four. They had a bye week as well. So K-State went over UCF the week prior. Um, They're at number four this week, and they've got Oklahoma State on Friday night. Number three in the power rankings, West Virginia. Can you believe it? Up from number seven. How about those Mountaineers, baby? Let's go. West Virginia, as an eight-and-a-half-point underdog two weeks ago, beat Texas Tech at home. Now they go on the road, and as a 14-point dog, they shut out TCU in the second half, and they get a straight-up win to improve to 4-1 and on the season. That one loss being to a Penn State team that looks like the real deal up there at State College. And Garrett Green, the stat line's not going to be beautiful, but the guy did just enough. Big touchdown runs, key plays when it mattered. It was good to have his leadership back as well for that West Virginia offense. They don't win that game, by the way, without Garrett Green. Not that I love him or the offense, but they do not win that game against TCU without Garrett Green. And how much more can you say about the defense right now? I mean, this defense is stingy. It's fun to watch. They're getting after the ball. They're getting in the backfield. I didn't think we'd see this after losing a guy like, say, Dante Stills on that D-line. Man, these are fun times in Morgantown just because nobody saw this coming. That's what makes it so much more fun. It's kind of like Kansas last year. Not that intense. Not that unexpected. You know, nobody predicted Kansas doing what it did last year. But... 
it's similar in the sense that everyone saw Neil Brown as basically a dead man walking. And here he is. It is not inconceivable that the Mountaineers are 8-1 and one going into Norman, Oklahoma the second week of November. Like, that's not insane to think about because of how good this defense has been um, there in West Virginia. So I've got the Mountaineers at three in the power rankings this week uh, just because of what they've done. You go on the road against TCU, you get a good win. That's arguably the best win in the Big 12 through a couple of weeks in terms of conference play. Not non-conference play, but conference play. That's a strong win for West Virginia. You're down at the half, you come back, you beat TCU on their home turf. At number two in the power rankings, I've got the Oklahoma Sooners manhandling Iowa State. The competition is steadily getting better. As I noted, you know, I had to see OU play somebody. I had to see him play better competition. They are starting to do that. And by the way, they're getting better in some ways. Dylan Gabriel is now top five in Heisman odds I saw today after his big game against Iowa State. He looks more confident in control of that offense. Boy, that has been fun to watch with Dylan Gabriel slinging it all over the place. And they made great halftime adjustments shutting out Iowa State on Saturday night. Matt Campbell gave him as much credit. said Brent Venables deserves a lot of credit. So they dominated Iowa State. They are now number two in the power rankings. Some of you insist that I don't want to put OU in the top two in the power rankings. That's what you said for the last couple of weeks. No, I just wanted to see them play somebody because I don't do these power rankings based on who I think is better than other teams. I always thought OU the last couple of weeks was the top two team in the conference. But guess what? I've got to see it against better competition. And certainly that competition is getting stepped up in a big way this weekend with the Red River rivalry. And that brings us to Texas at number one in the power rankings this week. What more can you say? They're undefeated. They're third in the AP poll. Um, They dominated Kansas. And Texas is one of just seven teams in the nation in the top 25 of offensive and defensive efficiency. By the way, OU is in that category as well. There are seven teams in the top 25 nationally in offensive and defensive efficiency, and OU and Texas are two of those seven teams. So these two teams have been outstanding to start this season. They are very much worthy of that one-two spot right now. And uh, (laughs) as I promised those of you that watch on YouTube, if you see the backdrop here, I've got all 14 teams' logos. I will flip the Oklahoma and the Texas logo Right side up if we get a Red River Big 12 Conference Championship game. I'll do it. I'll do it. So there are your power rankings for the week. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. we got more to talk about here. But um, by the way, if you're new to the show, subscribe to us on YouTube. That would make a world of difference for us. We cover the Big 12 better than anybody else. We've been doing this for almost a decade now. A lot of newcomers. There's always been newcomers, people that want to challenge us and say that they're the home of the Big 12. It's not close. No one's reaching the amount of people we're reaching on social media, on the website, on digital media, on the podcast. It's not close. With all due respect, it's not. And um, on the podcast, hit that five star, would you please? takes two seconds on the podcast on iTunes. We're seven away from 700 ratings on iTunes. And if you want a Heartland College Sports koozie, I'll get you one of those. Here it is. Hold on. Flashing it up on YouTube right now. 
one of these for free. All you got to do is leave a rating and a review and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So speaking of the Red River, if you didn't see this, Brett Yormark is not going to attend the Red River rivalry game. Well, that's okay with me, by the way. I don't think Brett Yormark should be at the Red River rivalry game. Here's why Brett Yormark shouldn't be at the Red River game. He would be a distraction. There's no point. These are two teams that chose to leave the Big 12. Brett Yormark is paid to be the commissioner of the Big 12. Why would he go there? What purpose does it serve for the Big 12 for him to be there? Now, that's not to knock OU in Texas. I've gone over this a million times. I get why they're leaving. I understand it monetarily. I'm saddened by it. I think they'll both end up regretting it down the line, but I understand it. So I hope you can respect the angle I'm coming from here. I'm not doing it just to rag on OU in Texas. That being said, they chose to leave. They have a right to do that. But Brett Yormark has no business being there. There's no point in him potentially going to that game other than being a distraction. What's he going to do? Chum it up with Joe Castiglione? Hey, you guys packed your bags yet? I mean, what's he possibly going to say? What would the purpose of that be? Brett Yormark should be at a Big 12 game, a future Big 12 game on Saturday. That's where Brett Yormark should be. And you know what? I hope that he is. So we wrote about this on the website. Uh, Heather Dinich had it of The Athletics. She reported that Brett Yormark is not attending the OU Texas game this weekend, but will see those teams two times this season. Of course, he's already seen Oklahoma uh, when they played Cincinnati. He also knows that Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, is going to the Red River this weekend, and he should. Yormark said to Heather Dinich, that's his future. He should support them. And that's exactly what's going on here. So college game day is going to be there. We know it's going to be the best game of the weekend, bar none. Um, Greg Sankey should be there. Brett Yormark should not. This is not controversial. If OU or Texas fans are using this as, I, oh boy, this guy, Yormark, I knew he wouldn't support us. Please, if he was going, you'd mock him. If he wasn't going, you'd rip him. Let's just be honest and call it like it is. If he wasn't going, you'd say he should be there. If he was going, you'd say, oh my goodness, look at this guy. He so wishes we were staying in the Big 12. He's damned if he does. He's damned if he doesn't. That's why Brett Yormark does not need to be anywhere near this game. His loyalty has to be to the 12 teams he's got right now and, of course, the four future teams coming in next year. And that's it. That's it. And everybody should be happy with this outcome. This is the right call for Brett Yormark. That way it doesn't become awkward. It's not going to be one of these, well, what's Brett Yormark saying? Who's he clapping for? What's going on? Just stay the heck out of it. And that's a best-case scenario for everybody involved. So I'm glad he's nowhere to be found. He should not be anywhere near the building. No ifs, ands, or buts. Let me get some of your comments here on uh, social media. Let's do some of this here on Facebook Live. We're also streaming on YouTube. Jim says, last year, a lot of folks wrote off Kansas State when they lost early in the season at Tulane. Tulane ended up being a solid team. They beat USC in a New Year's Six Bowl. This year, K-State lost on the road to an SEC team. Missouri is now 5-0. and 
I'm just saying the Wildcats in the Big 12 title game is not improbable, if not likely. I agree. I agree with that, Jim. I believe that Kansas State is a team that absolutely will be in the running for a Big 12 championship game appearance come the second half of November. But, you know, because they had a bye week, they've only really got one good win, right? Kansas State uh, has one good, I mean, good win at home against UCF. That's, that's their good win. And kudos to them. They looked really good in that game. But now you look forward here. They got Oklahoma State. They got Texas Tech. TCU, Houston, Texas, Baylor. I Kansas State fans should expect five and one the rest of the way. I mean, at least over those next six games. That's what they should be. They should be five and one over those next six games. Four and two would be a disappointment. And then they end the season at Kansas versus Iowa State. I mean, there's no reason that Kansas State cannot be sitting there at ten and two or nine and three and potentially vying for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Yes, at Texas is very difficult on November 4th. I get that. But uh, everything else, they will be favored in every single one of these games the rest of the way out, which means they should be looking when all is said and done at 7-1. and one. So I'm with you there, Jim. Uh, what else do we have here? Do-do-do-do. Jeremy writes, two things I've been right about this season so far. Oklahoma State was not going to be terrible, or it was going to be terrible, and West Virginia was not going to be terrible. Well, if you called that, Jeremy, in the offseason, kudos to you. I didn't think the Mountaineers were going to be terrible, but I didn't think they'd be certainly not this good. I didn't think they'd be very good. I didn't think they'd get to a bowl game. But here's the thing. There is a lot of mediocre to disappointing, if I'm being nice, in the Big 12. This feels ACC-ish this year for the Big 12, where I think that there's a hierarchy here. I think that you look at OU in Texas and you say, okay, obviously, look at what they've done. I think that from there, um, you have Kansas State, you have West Virginia, TCU. I still think Tech can be decent. But heck, I might even say this. The top tier might be Texas, OU, K-State, and then there's a huge drop-off, and I don't know what's what after that. I, I mean, I think that there is a lot of just blah in this league this year. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, Mike says, I hope this doesn't affect UCF. A tough schedule ahead of them, too. I, You know what? I There's two ways this can go for UCF. It can either be the start of a downward spiral or it can be a chance to hit the reset button, realize you're not in the AAC anymore, and put on your big boy pants. Kansas, Oklahoma, West Virginia, the next three weeks, that's tough. That is uh, tough sledding. UCF could be staring 0-5 in the Big 12 right in the face. And I think they've got talent, but they still got to figure out how to stop the run. Defense has a lot of holes. And uh, Tim McLean made some mistakes late in that game that uh, made you wish... You had Plumlee back, put it that way. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, do, 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 do. Tim says, Jalen Daniels doesn't play defense. 660 yards of total offense for Texas. I get that, Tim. I understand what you're saying there, my man. However, let's be fair here. The defense got worn down as the KU offense got stalled out drive after drive after drive. So I think we've got to uh, be fair. Elijah, West Virginia is the most uh, surprising team so far in the Big 12. Obviously not even close. 
John says TCU's coaching staff on offense lost that game, bad special teams, a couple of terrible calls, uh, like the no late hit on WVU. I'm not going to get down to calls on that. I, I don't think that's fair. Um, <laughs> some of you saying not nice things about Texas. Okay, I get it. I understand it, but we're here to cover the Big 12. Uh, that's how it works. Uh, Jeremy writes here, uh, ACC-ish. That describes the Big 12 perfectly. Yeah, uh, that's that's what it feels like this year for the Big 12 Conference. So we'll see. We'll be following along. We appreciate you being here on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for being a part of the show. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you're joining us there. Hit the like button, the thumbs up button as well. That does help the show. Every time you guys do that, these videos blow up. So do that for me before you head out. And uh, on the podcast, five stars, what do you say? You enjoyed it, right? Come on. I know you did. That's why you're still here. So five star away. We are so grateful for you helping us grow this thing each and every week at Heartland College Sports. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate you all. Have a great rest of the day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.